This is No Halos Here, hosted by Jen Lang and Jane Stark, the place to inspire a change in your consciousness to elevate the world. We're two heart-centered business owners nourishing our inner rebels while growing our respective businesses. No Halos Here is the result of bringing together an opera singer turned spiritual mentor and a marketing professional turned well-being coach to meditate daily. Together, we unite physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual energies into a powerful presence to lead, heal, and inspire. We love exploring the shadowed edges of life, the universe, and beyond through honest and thought-provoking conversations. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome back to the No Halos Here podcast with Jen Lang and Jane Stark. Today, we have a little bit of a different episode for you. It's actually an interview that I did. I'm Jane with Julie Boyer, host of the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. Julie and I met last spring, and very quickly, we recognized that we had both experienced a near-death experience or an NDE, and we had that in common. And so we started talking, as you do, sharing our story of our different experiences and how it shaped who we are today, where we've come to. And what we realized was that we wanted to share this a little bit more widely and publicly and start to talk a little more openly about near-death experiences, spirituality, how these things have impacted our own lives. And so Julie invited me onto her podcast and we did an interview and dove in. And so we're sharing that interview with you, with our audience here today on our podcast. It feels a little vulnerable but also a little healing to be able to start talking about this more publicly and to share my experience and to share Julie's experience. And, you know, in the hopes that you might pick up something, pick up a little nugget um, for things that you can apply into your life. So here we go. I hope you enjoy the interview. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. I'm your host, Julie Boyer. And today I'm welcoming my friend, Jane Stark. Hello, my friend. Hello. I'm so excited that you're here. Now, Jane is a leadership and well-being coach. She's also the co-host of the No Halos Here podcast with Jen Lang. You definitely want to be catching some of the episodes of the podcast. Great conversations. She's a certified habit change coach. And also, I just found out this morning as I was reading her bio again, just preparing, is that she is a highly sensitive empath and a mom of two girls who share the same traits. I am also a highly sensitive empath and have a daughter who shares the same traits. So Jane and I have a lot in common, and today is going to be a different type of podcast. So uh, it turns out that Jane and I share a very special and unique experience as we both experienced a near-death experience. And what we're going to do today as we go through this, as opposed to it being an interview, we're going to have more of a conversation, and each of us is going to share our story uh, based on our own personal experiences of what we've been through. And I know, you know, Jane, how are you feeling about sharing this on a podcast? Cause this is, this is kind of a first for me too. Yeah, this is a first for both of us, but you know what? I'm feeling really good. Um, it's actually the 12 year anniversary of my near death experience today as well. So that's, um, that was interesting when this date was the date that worked for both of us. I thought, okay, here we go. So, but no, I'm feeling good. Good. Me too. And just, just to give a little bit of context for those that are like, well, what is the near-death experience? I'm going to share a little quote um, just from an article that I read. 
in Scientific American. And I can I can post the link for those that want to read the whole article. But I just just to be clear of what we're talking about. So NDE, that's the short form for a near-death experience, are not fancy flights of the imagination. They share broad commonalities, becoming pain-free, seeing a bright light at the end of a tunnel and other visual phenomena, detaching from one's body and floating above it, or even flying off into space, out-of-body experiences. They might include meeting loved ones, living or dead, or spiritual beings such as angels, or a distorted sense of time and space. Now, the reason I share this is because our experiences are very different, and I know both of us are sometimes like, did we experience this? Like what actually happened? And um, one of the reasons I guess we wanted to do this is because I know, I think for me, when someone else recognized it for me, it helped me feel better about what I experienced. So tell me a little bit about, cause you didn't know that you'd even had a near death experience, right? When it happened. Mm-hmm. So you can mm-hmm. go ahead and start with your story. I think, go ahead. Sure. So the Coles notes of my story is that when I had my first daughter, I had a postpartum hemorrhage. And what I didn't realize at the time, but when I hemorrhaged, I had this really profound experience where I very vividly remember being above the hospital room, above the hospital bed, looking down on myself. And it wasn't even just that I was looking down on myself. The thing that really stuck with me is there was like blue sky and clouds and I was in the clouds. And it was... The, the part in that quote about the time, I don't know the length of time. It was very much like, I don't know how much time I was sort of up in that space or in and out of my body. It was all a bit of a blur, but it was very clear that that had happened. Without going into all the details of my story, though, nobody really, it, I, I came back into body, I came back and it was, it was, it felt very quick in the real world. And so it was just kind of like, okay, her vitals are okay. She's here. Like I was present. They, you know, triaged and we got things under control. And then it was just really more about the critical care part, right? Like, okay, like I say, her vitals are there and whatnot. And we kind of moved on. And so nobody actually talked to me about what had happened other than you lost a lot of blood, but you're here and you know, you're okay type thing. And I mean, I had just had a baby. I'd just gone through all of that. And then like, eventually I get home and I've got a newborn. And so I didn't even really stop and have the time. I don't think to process what had happened, but then carry on seven years. Um, it was seven years later that I met a psychologist, um, who my story had come up and he looked at me and he was the one when I said like it was like I was floating above the like above the hospital bed and he was like well you know that's an NDE right and I hadn't even I didn't even know what NDE meant at that point at that time and I was like what's that he you know continued to explain it to me and as soon as he explained it to me I had a really visceral reaction like I just started bawling my body just reacted and it was just everything fell into place at that moment and I was like ah so yeah for me it was it's been a so now as I just shared in 12 years it's 12 years to the day today so that was five years ago um of you know processing that and that's been a really interesting sort of second piece of my journey of like now working through the emotions and the pieces of processing you know understanding what happened to me the first seven years were, you know, a lot of confusion and just a lot of, it was expressing itself in other, the trauma was trauma, yeah. in other ways. Trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be, okay. So I do want to ask a couple more questions about yeah. if that's okay. Um, 
So there's obviously like a lot of trauma. Mm -hmm. So you were in late stage of labor Mm -hmm. when this happened. And I just, just explain what the postpartum hemorrhage is. Like you've already had the baby. So, yeah. So when I, um, when I delivered her right, like right as after she was delivered, they went to put her on my chest as typically you would with a newborn and the umbilical cord snapped. And so, um, I don't know why to this day, nobody's ever been able to tell me why an umbilical cord would just snap like that, but hence it snapped. Um, so I started bleeding out. Uh, luckily there was extra nurses in the room actually. And so then she was fine. Like they were able to grab her, get her to the baby station, clamp her and whatnot, but I was not as okay. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds frightening. I got kind of chills when you told your story, because obviously that was frightening. It must've been frightening for those around you. That's something that's interesting is like, when we think about these situations, like we're the ones that experienced it, but others around it, us Mm -hmm. went also through the trauma your husband Definitely. was in my the husband room. was in the room. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, there's trauma there. I had a midwife. Um, so she's, yeah. she's uh, who delivered the baby. Now I was, I did deliver in the hospital. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, because I would, uh, you know, again, since all of this and settled down and having a few more conversations with her, pretty sure she was quite traumatized, even though this is something she deals with and, and sees, But um, yeah, definitely, like you say, it is traumatizing for the others as well. Now, how did you, when you were kind of above your body and you said you were kind of in the clouds and it was blue, do you remember, like, did you have any feelings or any emotions that was attached to it or was it just? No, it was really calm. Oh, he's right. I think that's one of the things. Yeah, no, Uh I remember it feeling like there was no emotion. There was no panic. It was, and, and I actually remember um, they had to move me from where I delivered, um, to the bed. And it was when I stood up, like I was bleeding out. And when I stood up, I just passed it. Like I just fainted. Right. And so Mm. all I remember is falling and then eventually waking up on the bed. And between that time was this just, I think, yeah, being above out of my body and above and floating. Like it felt like kind of floating and it felt calm. There was no panic and anxiety, even looking down, like kind of having these vague recollections of what was happening and you could kind of see the chaos in the room, but I couldn't feel it. So I'm curious, did you tell your husband about this? That's a good question. I'm pretty sure I did. I'm, I would have. But I don't, again, I don't think like he didn't recognize thing, and probably, but no, he didn't. Yeah. And I mean, we have, and I mean, we've had lots of conversations, especially in the last five years about it, but, um, you know, he just didn't, he didn't recognize it and he probably was traumatized himself. <laughs> yeah. Right. From the whole thing. So exactly, you know, it just kind of. Yeah. But it's interesting you asked that. Cause I, now that you asked, I don't have a specific memory of telling, like of com- having a conversation with him right after. I'm not sure how many people I actually told in the early days afterwards about it. I kind of remember having this feeling of just suppressing it or being like, Oh, that wasn't real. Or I don't, I don't know what that was. So if I don't know, I'm not going to tell other people or share. Um, I think, and 
when I went through my experience, which was now, I guess it'll be seven years in November. Um, I had read Anita Morjani's book about, oh, I yeah. have that on my desk. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I had read her book. So maybe that's why, but it was oh. interesting for me. Um, a f- one of my really good friends labeled it as an ND, like again, a few years later. So I hadn't realized it. Same thing. I didn't realize right away that that the time what it was, but I didn't, I didn't think it was weird. So um, I think, well, so it's interesting. So I'll share my story because it's what's interesting. Yeah, we'll get into, so we can talk about some of the similarities and differences. So what's interesting is that mine happened after a miscarriage, which led to a DNC, which is a surgery they do when the miscarriage is incomplete. So it's a very quick surgery. And I went home after and ended up coming back to the hospital a couple of times because I got very, very sick with a bacterial infection called invasive group A strep. And in order for me to heal, they had to put me into a medically induced coma. And when you're in a medically induced coma, what I found out later is you're not actually like unconscious, like you're in varying levels of consciousness and they like bring you in and out of consciousness. But like, I don't remember Mm. like literally Mm -hmm. anything. Um, And except for this one, like I have these really strong memories um, that I think were kind of towards the end of my, so I was asleep for a week, I guess we say it was like asleep for a week or in this like transient consciousness state for about a week. And then towards the end, um, I don't know if I'd been woken up or not. Like, this is the thing is I don't remember time is weird when you're in an ICU time doesn't like flow, like normally in an ICU because it's like 12 hour shifts. And I was like, I felt like it was always the night. I didn't know how many weeks had gone by or anything, but, um, so I remember that I, I heard a voice in my head and I knew that the voice was Jesus's voice. I just knew. And at the time I was going to church on a regular basis, like the Jesus and, you know, Catholicism was a really big part of my life. No longer today, but at the time it was. So I felt really close to like, so that voice was recognizable to me. And I remember him saying that he'd heard all the prayers from my friends and family Mm -hmm. And that I would be home in two days. And I was like, okay. So I heard that. And then at another moment in time, again, don't know how much time passed or whatever, but he like came to me again in this space of wherever. So I had a physical, I had a body there and he picked me up and it was, I was, it was, we were like, we were like in a market And he picked me up in his arms and he was wearing like, you know, white, total white robes and everything and carried me in his arms. And then we, he brought me in front of this building, which later I saw a picture of it. And it was like this healing center that I knew about, but at the the time, again, I didn't, but in the, in the, yeah, it was like, I was in front of this building that exactly looked like this healing center that I knew about. And he just rocked me in his arms and just said like, we will be completely healed. Like, I love you. You are completely healed and just rocked me in his arms. Um, and then the last part of this, like, again, waking memory and like, I don't know where, again, don't know what stage of consciousness I was in the last mm-hmm. part, which I hadn't even thought about when, until I read, you and I had talked about this, like you're leaving your body. 
So I left my body and went to Mexico. <laughs> oh, right. So, right. I don't know how I ended up, but I, I ended up in Mexico and I was on the beach and my friends were there, like these friends that I know through my work and they were there with their family. And I was like lying on this, I was there, like Jane, I was there. I like, I could feel the wind. I could feel the sun. Like I was on this beach. I can still in my head see exactly what the beach looked like. And I could see my friends there, like just this one family. Yeah. Yeah. Are the friends, like they were the friends, like, you know, sometimes you have dreams and you think like, oh, like this friend was there, but you're like, but I, was it that actual person? Do you know what I mean? It literally was like, I can, this was was like, you were like, I knew exactly who it was. Exactly. His face, his wife, and like, not like a super close friend at all. Like just, but it was, they, they were there for whatever reason. And I remember being on the beach. And then I remember coming back to my body. And then I remember like trying to get back there. Like I have this feeling of like mm. trying to go back there. Cause it felt so good to be there. And then I guess I came back to consciousness and I told the nurse about like, Jesus has visited me and all these things. And she's like, that's nice. She's like, uh-huh. And she listened to me, but like totally didn't. Right. Like didn't. And so mm-hmm. I just thought I was crazy whole- and it was the right. drugs, which is a really common so, story. Yeah from what I've read since. Um, See, I didn't even realize that like you, it took someone later saying, no, that was a near-death experience. I was going to ask you that. So you didn't, again, right away, you didn't have that validation or no right away. It took some time before you figured out. Yeah. And I knew it was real. Like that was the thing. I knew it it happened and it was real, but I didn't have the understanding of what it could be. I, like I said, I just thought it was a drug side effect maybe, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. I've, and so how did, how did you figure out or like come to the place of, I mean, you knowing it was real, but what was the piece that helped you sort of that validation or like you say, kind of realize that, Oh no, it wasn't just a drug side effect. Well, it was definitely when my friend said like, no, you, like she said to me, that was the near death experience. And then I started like reading and understanding like those mm. kinds of things can happen. Cause I thought, I thought your experience was a near death experience. And that was the only kind of thing that could happen. So I didn't acknowledge that mine was something like that, but I was definitely not in this on the, like, I wasn't on this plane. I don't know about you, but like, mm. this is seven years ago for me. And I, as soon as I tell you the story, I, the pictures are like vivid. I know exactly what I'm talking about. Do you feel the same? Yep. Totally. Yeah. It's, I was just sharing with you before we hopped on here that, um, the past few weeks, I actually started to question a little bit, I think probably cause I knew we were going to do this recording yeah. and I found myself like, Oh, maybe the memory's a little bit fading. Maybe like it didn't really happen. Maybe it's my imagination. But as soon as you started asking me questions, like it's so vivid in my brain again, like the whole experience is right there. So, yeah, and I got chills real. when you spoke. Yeah. I had like full on shells when you were talking. Yeah. Just that no, feeling. It's, it's real. I, I really, truly believe it's real. And same thing. I've now kind of gone down the path of trying to understand it a little bit more and have done some more reading. And um, I think I mentioned to you, I re- recently read a book called After by yes. Dr. Bruce Grayson. And a lot of the accounts, it was interesting when I think it was right after I finished that book that you and I first connected and I was, and your story was like, wow, there's a lot of stories. He basically has studied NDEs. He's a psychiatrist and he's studied NDEs for the last 50 years. And his book shares a lot of basically just accounts of all of his patients and his research um, with people who've had them. And 
yeah, a hundred percent what you're sharing is, is a big piece of it. How has it impacted you, um, on a bigger, like it's in, you, you shared that you're, you were raised in a Catholic yeah. or were a practicing Catholic believed in God. Oh you, I think you mentioned that you since are not as close to that religion. Is that tied into this? Well, what's, I think what's interesting is that part of it was that we moved, uh, from Ontario where I was really involved in the church and it was really like, I feel like I was involved in my church, but less involved in like the Catholic church. Right. Cause especially in our current climate. So we're recording this in July of 2021, mm-hmm. you know, acknowledging that there were atrocities committed by the Catholic church here in Canada, that we are, we were working on reconciliation and mm-hmm. understand better understanding, you know, our role here on land that, you know, is unceded territory, right? We both live in British mm-hmm. Columbia, which is unceded territories. So be, long before all this came about, I'd already kind of detached from the Catholic church of itself, but I still believe in Jesus. So mm-hmm. whether I practice openly religion, I still believe in that moment of like, for me that like, I know it was him that visited me. I don't, like, I don't care if you believe me or not. It doesn't matter to me because in my experience, that was real. And, and it literally, so I, <clears throat> I didn't mention this part. So I remember he had told me you'll be out of the hospital in two days. Mm-hmm. So it was about two days later, I think it was like two and a half days later, like literally. So after that, that I think the next day, they were like, you're too, you're not sick enough anymore to be in the ICU. And the following day I spent one last night in the step down ward and then they sent me home. Wow. So after the healing experience, right. Then I was like starting to be awake and conscious and back and literally within about 24 hours, they're like, you're not sick enough to be in the ICU anymore. We need to put you in the other ward. And then I went home. So I, knew that what he had told me was true. And then I just like kept focusing because I remembered exactly what he'd said. And I was like focusing on what I needed to do to get out of the hospital, which was I need to be able to walk on my own or with a walker and um, use the toilet by myself, which these things sound really obvious, but when you've been in a coma for a week, your body doesn't really work the same when you wake up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was uh, a challenge, which is again, why I questioned what had happened. Right. Right. Cause my physical yeah. body wasn't working properly. Right. I couldn't like, I couldn't hold like a, a cup of water. Like I couldn't bring a cup of water wow. to my lips. Cause I couldn't lift my arms. I couldn't pull the table to me. So I just kept, I thought, well, maybe that, yeah. Like, I don't know how that could have been happening. Cause my physical body isn't working. So why would my mind right. do that? Right. Yeah. So can we go back just for a sec though, because mm-hmm. to your the, the retreat that you went to where you realized what had happened. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about that experience about the retreat? Yeah. So, um, like I say, this is about five years ago. I was, I had hired a business coach and she was, she's a very, <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. A business so coach. Yeah. Yeah. Figure out that you had an NDE totally goes hand in hand for sure. Um, but it does. She, it does. uh, she was very just, such a, an amazing, amazing woman. And she took us down to San Diego um, on a retreat as part of our, it was a group, like a small group program. Mm. So we went down to San Diego um, and she's very, she just has this amazing network of all these people. So she was the one that knew the psychologists that I referred to. 
And he had been studying um, a form of, uh, well, he'd, he'd studied under a number of Zen, Japanese Zen masters. Um, and he had, um, I've got to recall now, because I haven't, he's got a book that I read. Um, that we can find it and add it later to the notes. We'll find it and add it. It's yeah. called Driven. Um, oh, okay. I, I know that, yeah, the book is called Driven and his name is Doug Brackett. Um, uh, sorry. Nope. That's not his name. <laughs> it's all it's escaping me. We'll get it and we'll put it in the show notes. Um, but anyway, so he Brackman, that's why Doug Brackman. Okay. Um, so anyway, so he has, was running these single day retreats, meditation retreats, but the twist of the meditation, meditation retreat was that he used, um, long range, like shooting, right? Like guns, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Julie and I are both Canadian. I was going to say, we're Canadian, so we yeah. generally don't so have guns like, around. Yeah, this was really out of like, out of my comfort zone, out of our, um, and actually the majority, all of us, I think on this retreat were Canadian. Um, had you ever even held a gun before? So I had held a gun before. Um, I'd held, I've held a, um, a, um, oh my gosh, I don't have. Like my, a pistol? Thank you. Yeah. Um, but like once at a um, at a ranch type thing. So, and I didn't like it. Right. So, but like, really I've had like no experience with guns and I show up and we do this. She's like, she surprised us too. So we're on a retreat and then we're doing like a one day retreat within our retreat. Wow. It was a surprise. She didn't tell us when we went down there, what we were doing. And so Doug shows up the night before we're to go out and do this, this experience in the Hills of San Diego with like literally a sniper rifle. Like, and, <laughs> and he's, he's telling us and he's walking us through and he's like, you know, essentially what he's studied is the ability for the brain. He calls like our, your head, your monkey mind and the body, your elephant mind or your elephant brain and your monkey brain. Um, you can probably guess kind of the monkey brain idea, the elephant being that like, it's the old part of ourselves. It's that intuition that got that knowing. And that really, when we get those two things lined up as one, then we're into consciousness and everything just comes into place. And so, um, so he created this process where you meditate and then you target shoot. And so he, so that night he came over, he brought the rifle because he's like, okay, I have to introduce people into what we're doing, what we're going to be doing tomorrow. And it was not, not loaded or anything. He just set it up in the living room to give people an idea because it's not like, it's not like going to a, a range and just target shooting. I don't, from what I understand, I haven't done that, but, um, from what I understand, it's like, he has a very specific process, a very specific method of meditation. And then you go and you target shoot, um, as a way of, of practicing this like centered mind and body. And so he had us walk, do a mock kind of walkthrough of everything that night. And I don't know why I, I still really don't understand why this is what triggered me. But when I went and did the, like just the mock um, practice and got down and like, he set me up at the rifle and, you know, walked me through it, how to like, how to pretend to shoot it. Mm. Uh, my whole body just started trembling. Like afterwards, I just got this again, really visceral response. And my body just went into like total shock almost. And he picked up on it and he's like, what's going on? And I, and it triggered something. And right away I was like, I don't know, but I'm like the only other time that I recall this happening to me was when 
I had gone through um, the postpartum hemorrhage and I had come back. And when I sort of had come to and everything had settled down, my body was in shock and I was just like shaking, right? I couldn't like uncontrollably. And I was like, this is what it reminds me of. And so as I'm recalling this story to him, that's when he looked at me and was like, so, you know, that was an NDE you had. And it just kind of went from there. And uh, so then the next day we go out and we do, so we go out to the hills of San Diego and we did a full day of meditation and target shooting. And it was him and a, um, and a, another business, another partner that the two of them facilitated this. And it was, it was a life-changing experience for me. And he even looked at me and he said, he's or actually at all of us. And he was like, so this experience is like a year's worth of therapy in a day, like it, and he uses it um, for trauma, like to heal, to help heal trauma, this, this um, methodology that he's found. So he works with a lot of ex-military um, and, um, you know, people that have had PTSD and a lot of people who've had really, really severe trauma. Um, and this process, again, I can't do it justice in explaining how it works, but I can say that it worked. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, yeah, so we spent the day we'd, you know, like four of us, there was, I think five or six of us in total. And we would, we had meditation cushions and we would sit and we would do this form of meditation that he coached us on. And then you would do a walking meditation over to the gun and you would get down like literally like crosshairs and everything. And you'd be looking at your target and he would, um, the headphones, the ear protection we had, had a mic in it. So he okay. could talk to us and he would coach us through, but it was so fascinating because he could look at the body. Like he would look at your body and he could just tell by looking at your back where you're holding tension, or if you're not breathing exactly the way you need to, to get into that space and no joke when you get it, you get it. And you would hit the target every time. And he said that to me, he's like, like by the end of the day, I was hitting steel targets 800 yards away. Like that I've sounds really far, really far. That's like something like, don't quote me on this, but like over a kilometer, it's like two yeah. football fields. Yeah. That's really um, far. It's, it's, it's yeah. People who understand that, like I said, like, yeah, that's don't quote me on the, no, it sounds far. super far. It's yeah. Super far. And it was wild. And sure enough, like it's every time if I missed, it was like, yep, nope. I could totally tell I'm like, nope, I was in my head. Like I moved out of my body and into my head and thought about pu pulling the trigger. The minute I would actually be able to achieve that state of oneness that he would coach us through hit every time, but, and more, and whatever the, again, the process of that was though, the trauma that it was releasing. So it was an emotional day, not just for me, everybody else. Also, you know, he, he was able to look at every new kind of like, okay, stuff's just good. Like, it's definitely a process of you gotta be prepared to be vulnerable, but the stuff like that I released that day just was fascinating and life-changing and yeah. And ever since then, that was, that was my experience of sort of getting that validation and, and, and being part of it, I think was the validation and the being seen and being, you know, having kind of like you say, somebody actually acknowledging or saying, Hey, do you know, like, I don't think this is in your head. And I think that's a really big piece. Yeah. And I think what, you know, what's clear is that an NDE does come from trauma. Mm -hmm. And so if we never a first are able to acknowledge that it happened and be then treat and work through the trauma, whatever way you're doing, like there's work to be done, right? We all have trauma. Not everyone, not everyone has an NDE. 
but everyone has trauma. That's like a human, a shared human experience. And the important thing, I think the, you know, the key is like working through that trauma, whatever that method would be. I mean, that sounds like an amazing, incredible experience. I'm curious. We should look up to see if that's something that, I mean, if someone's curious, we should find out if that's something we can share. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I haven't, um, he was running those retreats for quite a while. I don't know. We'll have to look. We'll yeah, we'll I'll, take a look. We'll do some info and see if he's still running them because yeah, it is it is a fascinating experience. Again, no matter what you have going on, you do not have to have had an NDE or a major trauma because trauma is not about how big the actual no. incident is either, right? It's about right. how you've processed, processed it in it. your body. So Especially childhood. I'm curious trauma. to hear um, yeah. from your perspective um, how you've worked through that trauma of. Yeah. The illness and everything. So this is really interesting. So for me, this is where actually this feeling of waking up with gratitude literally came from this experience mm-hmm. because I woke up like so many things that we take for granted every single day, like being able to drink, you just had a drink from your mug. Mm-hmm. There's no way I could have even lifted that mug to my lips. Um, I couldn't see colors properly. It was over a week before I could even stand up in the shower. I think it was two weeks before I had to sit on a stool Mm -hmm. in the shower because I couldn't another strength. Basically, like after I came home from the hospital, like I was just so I literally would go from the bed to the shower, like to the toilet and back. I couldn't even toilet myself. Right. I had to have catheter and all these things. Right. Mm -hmm. And even food didn't taste right. Wow. So I still have that reverence for the mundane, which for me changed my life in the way that I see gratitude and, you know, share something that's interesting. So we're recording this in a week from today, a week from yesterday, I guess. So in seven days I'm having surgery and I'm having a full hysterectomy. So all those parts that, you know, caused me a challenge. I've been dealing with endometriosis since I was 15. I'm actually really looking forward to surgery. It's like a, a welcome thing. But one of the reasons I waited so long was a, I did want to be closer to menopause because I'm getting everything removed, but I also needed time to have space to heal from the trauma of the last time I was in the hospital. Yes. Right. That was the last time I was in the hospital. So I needed the time to heal So what's interesting though, is this past, so, and I also just moved houses, which is a really good thing because I'm in a beautiful space to heal in a home that feels like home for the first time in, I don't know how many years I feel like I'm home, but what I've been doing Jane this week is, um, so this time of year, sunrise is around 5, 15 AM. It's quite early. Mm -hmm. And so I don't normally get up every day for sunrise because I'm like, that's hard, lack of sleep, right? but I've just been getting up anyway and just going anyway, because this reverence for life, uh, we just paused for a moment just to acknowledge that Jane's daughter needed her at that exact moment. So, and I know how that is, you know, when our kids need us, we need to be there. So thank you. uh, Of course. Um, so just going back though, to you finish what I was saying about this reverence, Mm -hmm. knowing that I'm going to be healing from surgery, which is really critical. Like I'm really, I'm doing all these things to, um, to make sure that I'm in a great state going into it. I actually have, um, a hypnotherapy, a special mm. hypnotherapy that was designed just for me that I've been listening to twice oh, a day wow. to prepare. And so I've been going out to sunrise and just really feeling grateful. 
and really having the reverence that I can be at the sunrise and whether, you know, whether I can see it or not, doesn't matter. Like just being at the beach and gratitude that I still live close enough to the beaches. Like that was a concern. We didn't know where we'd end up living, like being this, still being able to get to a beach fairly quickly. And then, you know, it's like, because of this impending time where I won't be going to the beach for a little while, I'm like getting it all in now. And I think it goes back to that, like reverence of gratitude for being able to do things that you just take for granted. Right. So maybe the like few months before I didn't get up all the time because it's super early, but now I'm like, no, I'm just going to get up every day until it's time for surgery and then just be okay with just like not seeing the sunrise for a few days and just, you know, enjoying Mm -hmm. it from my backyard or whatever it is. So that's kind of one of the biggest things that came out of this experience is that true reverence and the faith, like the, there's a lot of faith, right? Faith in my ability to heal and that I'm not by myself, right? I'm not, when it, we're talking about healing, like it's not just me that's doing it right. There's, Mm -hmm. there's other beings that are, yeah, Yeah. for sure. Yes, definitely. Now, what would you say, you know, you've been, you've had really two, like you had your NDE, but then you had the realization of the NDE as two separate experiences. And how would you say that kind of shaped you, um, you know, the Jane today? Yeah. I mean, so interestingly, I also was raised Catholic. Um, I don't know if we connected on that as well, but, um, so yes, I was raised Catholic as well. Um, but I didn't, so I was, I practiced sort of through my childhood and my youth didn't sort of stay connected to the religion as much as I got older. Um, however, what really struck me after, the NDE. And then I think even again, more so once I started my healing process about five years ago, was this connection to something bigger. And I'd say now it's more of a spirituality piece. I'm, you know, similar to yourself. I I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. um, But I don't really subscribe to any sort of um, framework around that. It's for me, it's more about there is something bigger, some universal energy out there that I believe we're connected to. And that has really been a big piece of my healing over the past five years and finding that connection. Um, I think the, as, uh, the other piece that for me with that, I think I shared this the first time we chatted, but I don't remember. So I have since had a second hemorrhage, um, about four did I okay so four years ago um, after I found out about my NDE I hemorrhaged um, again just uh, I had a procedure like a very basic procedure and for whatever reason um, two weeks after started bleeding and uh, ended up back in the hospital and it was I, I have this very distinct memory of being in the hospital in the ER and the doctor kind of confirming like, yeah, we've got an internal bleed. And I got the shaking again. So I got a bit of the shock, but I had this really clear voice come through that was like, you're going to be okay. It's not your time. Like you're, you're, you're safe, you're protected. And it wasn't, it wasn't just a voice in my head. That's the thing now that I really believe. And I'm like, nope, this was like a bigger knowing. And that experience really reaffirmed it for me that there was something and I was okay. I, you know, within 24 hours, I was, everything was under control and I was fine. I didn't, you know, have any, um, you know, I, I healed and I'm fine. Yeah. But um, so 
that is a big piece of my healing and my journey. And you mentioned hypnotherapy. It's, it's also sent me down the path of energetic work, energetic healing. I've worked with a hypnotherapist for the past two years. Um, and it's been again, another sort of life-changing piece. And then I am now incorporating all of that into my own practice as a coach and just my, in my lifestyle, I'm doing a bunch of training myself. So energetic and spiritual, um, work has been a huge piece of my journey. I think that, um, first of all, thank you for your courage to share your story and for also like let's doing this together has made it easier for me to share my story. So I really appreciate that. Um, Obviously you can connect with either of us, of course, but some people will watch this video and not know where to go or what to do. So we're going to put some video, some resources with the video on the podcast for you, um, in terms of where to connect, um, in terms of, you know, some of the resources that we've spoken about. And, you know, if, if you're a person who just had that realization that what I went through was an NDE, and this is the first time, please follow up and get the support that you need because it is, it is very much life-changing and, you know, this, you become part of this community that, um, whatever. And I, I mean, like Eugene, I kind of like, I don't spend a lot of time in the NDE community, but I feel like this kinship with it. And it does make me believe in like so much more that uh, that's beyond what we have in our physical body. There's so much, and I do a lot of energy work too. I, it's such a critical part of how I live and how I, uh, exists. So is there any, what would you like to share with those that may be listening and may have like a realization? Yeah. I mean, I think similar to yourself that, you know, I think the validation or the realization piece is really big. Um, and if this does resonate with you and it's all of a sudden you kind of see yourself in that seek out some support because it's real and it's, it's not something to be, I've actually, for me, I I'm so I'm actually grateful now that I had the experience. It's, it seems yeah. kind of weird to say, right. But it's one of these things that has really shifted and impacted my life in a more positive way. I would, I would say, and, you know, I think kind of like what you shared that sometimes we don't really, we don't necessarily know or recognize. And a lot of people don't. So like when you yeah. were saying that you shared your experience with the nurse and she kind of went, Oh, that's nice, sweetie unfortunately, like from the little bit of research I've done and, um, that sound it, it's kind of common and it's not that people are insensitive. It's that it's still not as talked about, or it's still not as public. And so a lot of people just don't understand, or it kind of feels scary because it kind of is when you have this experience. I mean, I know same thing, right. For years, I kind of was like, I don't really understand this. Like this yeah. makes no sense. So, you know, if reach out, I mean, reach out to Julie and I, if, um, yeah. You know, if that's, you don't know where to start, feels like a safe space and you don't know where to start because, yeah. um, I think that's, that's one of the biggest keys is just having somebody who can, you can talk through it with. Yeah. I think that's really key is like reach out to people that understand what's going through, like use the resources that we'll share, like connect with others who've been in a similar experience, as opposed to reaching out maybe to a family or friend that might not understand. It's interesting. I asked you the question about, did you tell your husband? And I'm like, I don't even, again, I'm not even sure that I really went, I think I mentioned it to my husband, but he just didn't quite. Yeah. I but he went through his own trauma. Like, yeah. like he went through his own trauma. His wife is in a coma for a week. And you know, I, I don't want to be stereotypical, but I mean, I've done a lot of work around my trauma and my husband just chose not to. And I've mentioned it a lot of times that like, 
you went through a trauma, like a pretty big trauma in a very different way than I did, you know, it might be a good idea to <laughs> talk yep. this through with someone. Story here. Yeah. <laughs> and, but we can't make them do anything. And, you know, hopefully one day he'll make a decision to, you know, he's like, it doesn't really, and I'm like, but it kind of does. So that's also what got me a little bit. I was nervous about, you know, saying yes to this, like, vol- like this is a voluntary surgery, although now it's considered semi-urgent. So it's a little bit less okay. of a voluntary thing. It's like, I don't want to be, I definitely don't want didn't want to be in a situation where it became an urgent surgery. No. And this is like a better decision. Definitely. So yeah, it's semi-urgent. Definitely. So we kind of had to go for it. And, and I really wanted to have this conversation before it, it felt like I, mm. like you being on your daughter's birthday, this needed to happen before I had my surgery. So, oh, that's so special. Uh, well, okay, Jane, um, oh, thank you. Where do you, where's the best place for people to find you? So right now I'd say the best place is Instagram okay. and uh, my Instagram handle is at underscore Jane Stark. Easy. Um, you can also find my website at janestark.ca. Perfect. Uh, yeah. That's super simple. Two easy places. Yeah. We love to keep it simple for people to easily find you. And for me, I'm all in the show notes. My links are all there. Uh, we will share as many resources as we can. And just thanks for everyone for listening to this kind of different kind of a conversational podcast. Um, I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this conversational type podcast, I have a couple others that I, that I've kind of got in mind that I'd like to do. So if this is a podcast that you enjoyed, as opposed to just the interview style, let me know. And maybe I'll start doing a few more of these uh, as the podcast grows. Thank you so much, Jane, for everything today, for your courage, for your heart, for your authenticity. It, it just means so much. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for the invite and the opportunity to do this. I'm, it's yeah, very, I'm very honored to be able to share this experience with you and do it yeah. together. I agree. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us for these conscious combos. If you're ready to dive deeper, head on over to wearejenandjane.com to continue the conversation. If you love this episode, please take a moment to share it with your friends or your network and leave us a review by going to Apple Podcasts. Find us on Instagram at wearejenandjane and let us know what you enjoy and what you would like to see more of. We'd love to hear from you.